Well, good morning, everyone. Shall we just pray as we start? Father, thank you for your precious word. And Lord, I pray today that you would speak to us from it in your kindness, God. Come and be with us as we look at your word together. Amen. And you may well want to uh, grab that open in a Bible if you've got it on your phone. So we're in John chapter 16. And... Um, bit of an interesting start, but it's been quite a week, hasn't it, in the news this week. Um, I don't know how you felt as you've watched the news, but I've been pretty horrified uh, most of the time. We've had uh, Sarah Evard's murder, the beheading of children in Mozambique, the protests in Myanmar, uh, the racial hatred killings in the US. It has been... And actually, as we've seen this, in our hearts uh, and in many places as an outcry for judgment of wanting to declare that stuff is wrong it's evil it's rubbish and I was watching uh, The Voice, the television uh, program, looking for good singers with my, my children last night. And Will I Am, one of the, the judges on the show, was doing a song with his uh, person. And he brought out his old, uh, very famous song, Where Is the Love? And it's got that wonderful sort of uh, chorusy verse bit in it, where it's like, Father, 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 help us. Send us some guidance from above. Because people have got me questioning, where is the love? Father, 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 will you send us some guidance from above? I may or may not believe in you, but actually I want... I actually want some guidance from above. I actually, even though I don't even perhaps know it, do want some judgment from above. And actually, I need that because he goes on in the song to say, would you help me practice what I preach? Will you help me turn the other cheek? Because unless I have your judgment, unless I am convicted of what is wrong, I cannot then respond as I should in repentance and be the person that rises above the wrong and the rubbish and goes out into the world with love and turns my other cheek. And so here we are in 2021, and on our secular primetime TV on a Saturday night, we have someone calling out in a sense for God, whether we know it or we not. And so the passage today is going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, but it's talking about a particular job that the Holy Spirit comes to do. One of the things the Holy Spirit is about and does is in this area of conviction and convicting over wrong things. And so we're just going to kind of walk through the passage today, and it's a brilliant passage. Have it open. But as we walk through it, be asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what this means and how to apply it in your life when you get back to your home, when you go out to work tomorrow morning. What, what is it that you can bring from this today? Because there's stuff to take with us as we leave from here this morning. 
And so the passage starts um, essentially with what I think today we would call a really, really bad pep talk. Um, Because essentially Jesus is like, yeah, hi disciples, I'm leaving you and it's going to be really rubbish for you. You're going to be rejected and you're going to be persecuted and yeah, see ya. Um, But I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to send an advocate to you, but bye. Um, And I think today we don't do pep talks like that. That would not be considered a great final pep talk. But in it, we see Jesus being absolutely fabulously honest. And as we pick it apart, we see a huge amount of hope wrapped up in this uh, pep talk. He's basically saying, I don't want you to be surprised when you face social rejection because of me. Verse 2, you might be thrown out of the synagogues. Uh, Metaphorically for us today, we, we may get socially rejected from time to time as being known as a disciple of Jesus. You cannot be known as a disciple of Jesus widely and not have experienced that in some form today. Maybe that's just people giving you a slight wide berth in the pub. Maybe it's uh, missing out on a preparation. Maybe it is being slightly on the outcast of a group because you're a bit different. I'm not quite sure what you stand for. Um, And so social rejection actually is normative if you're going to live as a disciple of Jesus today. And if you're going to particularly live out the lifestyle that this book commands of us, then you will experience at times social rejection. And Jesus doesn't want people to be surprised and floored by that when it happens. Because so often when something goes bad in our lives or something is difficult, we jump to the conclusion, oh, well, God doesn't really love me, or I must have made a terrible mistake or and sometimes we may have made a terrible mistake but sometimes actually you are going to experience stuff just because you are known as his and that will be tough and so he's starting with this pep talk and you know it's not new for Jesus he said didn't he the sermon of the mount very famously blessed are you when people insult you persecute you call you names because of me this isn't new stuff chapter 7 of Matthew you know there's two gates to go through there's a narrow one and a wide one the wide gate is easy to go through It is easy to go the way of the world and to fit in and to blend in. That's easy. But it will eventually lead to destruction. And I'm calling you to go through a narrow gate. It's going to be tough. But it's going to lead ultimately to life. And so this isn't new stuff from Jesus, but he's bringing it home again. He's being honest with his disciples at what he's calling them into. But the disciples are kind of not really getting uh, much of this. And uh, we see that really they're just wrapped up in a lot of grief. He says, you're sad because um, I'm going to go away from you. You're filled with grief, verse 6, it says. And... um, And he sort of says to them, why aren't any of you asking me where I'm going? And actually, if you know your Bible, you'll know that they have asked him a few chapters ago, where are you going, Jesus? But it's, um, in this instance, it's a bit like if you can imagine a child with their parent, right? And the parent says to the child, I'm really sorry, I'm not going to do movie night with you on Friday because I've got to go to the train station. 
And the child's all like wrapped up in the like, oh, mummy's not going to be there for movie night. Why are you not going to be there for movie night, mummy? Where are you going? Why? But what they're really concentrating on is the fact that you're not going to be there. They're not actually really asking about where you're going and why. And it just might be that mummy is going to the train station to pick up granny for an amazing, fun-filled weekend. But in that moment, all they're focusing on is that mummy's not going to be there for movie night. And I think it's a little bit like that with the disciples here. They're focusing on the fact that Jesus, this incredible man who's come into their lives and expanded their worldview, who they've seen doing miracles and incredible works of wonder and has just created this kingdom community around them where there's, you know, rich people and poor people and women and men. And it's all just been amazing kingdom values that they've been experiencing and seeing. And he is going And they're just kind of wrapped up in that he is going. And they've sort of missed the fact that he is going somewhere. And what he's going to do is accomplish resurrection. And so he has to go to do that. And he's going to intercede for them forever in heaven. And he's sending the Holy Spirit to them. And in his sending of the Holy Spirit to them, he is going to multiply the kingdom ministry now through them to the world. And it's going to go out far and wide that even more people will get to hear about Jesus and the good news and come into the kingdom of God. And ultimately, that is going to be better. But they're just a bit sad that he's he's not going to make movie night on Friday and that he's going somewhere else. And it's understandable, isn't it? (laughs) But that's where they're at. And they're going to get it later. And so we have in this passage, he's saying, I'm going to send an advocate to you. You're you're remembered in Richard's talk. He's not going to leave them alone. He is sending the Holy Spirit to be with them. And the Holy Spirit is going to do this incredible stuff through them. And you know, church... I've been chatting with some of you this week because we just started talking about the Holy Spirit last week. And I think we might do a series on the Holy Spirit because some of the small groups have just come up with some fabulous questions that they're asking. And I think it might be really great for us as a church to kind of dig into what is the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. Again, we haven't done that for a while here. And so we, we might do that at some point. And it's just been fascinating. But I took a walk with a lovely lady in our church And she came on an Alpha course a few years back. She has a first uh, degree in psychology from Bristol University and was incredibly sceptical about the Holy Spirit Day. She laughed with her husband before going, oh, this rubbish stuff, it's going to be really weird, like weird Toronto blessing, freaky kind of weird stuff. I just totally explain it away with my psychology. I just, you know, it's just just a big joke. Anyway, she encountered the Holy Spirit in a really powerful way, and God moved in her life hugely and revealed himself to her in that moment and convicted her, and she saw who God was really, truly for the first time. But it's so hard to explain that when you haven't experienced it. And I think, church, I'd love to call us to pray again for that deepening experience.
experience of the Holy Spirit. And to pray for God's Holy Spirit to be at work in us and to take it with us out there on the streets and into our workplace. And I'm hoping I'll maybe get, um, it's Natalie, her testimony, because it is quite incredible. And she um, is just a classic uh, person of someone who is like, oh, that's totally weird. To, I, oh, my goodness, I've actually had an experience that I can't just explain away with science and uh, my human brain. So the, getting into just the end of the passage, we're in verse 8. And the passage today uh, is explaining that the Holy Spirit is going to come and convict the world that it's been wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit at work in our world is able to convict the world in a personal sense. He can awaken shame and convince people of their guilt. And in so doing that, woo people towards seeking repentance. And this is exactly the same work that Jesus has been doing. Back in John chapter 15, Jesus says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Jesus's encounter with people made them realize, oh, Oh, that bit of my life just totally off kilter. And the Holy Spirit is coming and comes and does exactly the same work that Jesus was doing when he walked the earth. And the way the Holy Spirit most often actually does this is through the disciples. The Holy Spirit extends the ministry of Jesus through the disciples spreading the good news in our world today. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes and convicts in the world, we, we don't know how that conviction is going to work. You can be convicted of something and completely bury your head in the sand and just bury it deep, 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 deep down. Or you can be convicted of something and it can turn into a repentance, a changed attitude and a changed way of being. And that's what we're longing for as Christians. And we're not in control of how the world and those around us um, respond when they are convicted. But the Holy Spirit is about his work of convicting. And it is something we can be praying into in our workplaces. And I just, I remember praying about something when I was a teacher and just praying, God, would you just kind of convict them that they've just totally got that, that thing wrong there? Would you just do that? I can't do it. I can't say it. But can you just do that? And slowly over the few weeks, we ended up changing the entire curriculum we taught in our department based on a shift in conviction. And it was a good thing. And we can be praying about that in our workplace. We can be praying for the Holy Spirit to be about the work of convicting the world and uh, doing that work. And of course, this convicting work of the Holy Spirit is actually a gracious, kind act of God. It's gracious and kind because though it is uncomfortable, it's trying to help people recognize their need for Jesus and therefore to turn to him and therefore to gain life in all its fullness. And so although convicting is uncomfortable, it's actually a gracious kindness from God. 
The Holy Spirit convicts the world of its righteousness. Now, this might sound a little strange at first, but as we dig into it, we hopefully can see just what that's about. Um, It's about helping us to understand that some of the things that we cling to as being right and proper aren't actually in line with the kingdom of God. So... um, For example, back in the day when churches had uh, pews, obviously lots of churches still do have pews, but um, we don't hear, but they had pews, and you know, the rich people would have their pew that they sat in every week, and the poor plebs had to just kind of, I don't know, crowd on the floor at the back. And we kind of all thought that was okay for like how many years we did that for, and that's so not the kingdom of God. And so then, like, people began to be convicted about this, and they read the scriptures and realized, oh, yeah, in the kingdom of God, we're, we're actually all equal before God. We're all equally sinners. We're all equally in need of God. Therefore, we need to get away with this, like, the rich person has this pew at the front that's nice and fancy, and some person, pleb at the back, gets to sit on the floor. That is not what we're about. And so the Holy Spirit is about convicting the world of its righteousness, the things that we've thought are right and proper, but actually are not kingdom. And probably as you're here today, you can think of many of examples when the church has got it very wrong and society has got it wrong. We've said something is right. We've said something is okay. And actually it's not of the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit can come and convict us of that. Jesus is no longer here to shout, stop stoning that woman for adultery, or you can stone her, you can pick up the stone if you yourself have no sin. Jesus no longer can do that to each case, but we can. The Holy Spirit at work through Jesus' disciples today can convict the world of wrong righteousness and I know when I think about it that there are believers who've convicted me of stuff by just calling things out gently I had a classic uh, conversation with someone in our community a couple of weeks ago and um, they'd been wronged by a family member um, that wrong had caused a rift in the family. Uh, they're no longer in relationship because of it. And as we were chatting it through, I was just thinking about all the times I mess up. And I ended up saying to this dear person, do you know what, have you never got anything wrong? And then they were like, oh, yeah. And so I said, because we are Christians... And Jesus has forgiven us when we have got stuff so badly wrong. Even though this person needs to be called out for the wrong they've done, our job then is to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile, to forgive them, to pour on undeserved grace into the relationship. And as I was saying this... I was just convicted right back because I was just thinking, right, who am I angry with at the moment? Who have I, like, got off track with? Who am I being annoyed by? Where am I, like, not being gracious in my response to someone? And I'd written a sort of slightly cross email to someone that day, and I just thought, oh, dear. You know, because the Holy Spirit comes to convict us. And we need to allow ourselves to be convicted and allow the Holy Spirit in us convict the world too. 
And finally, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of its judgment. Um, It's convicting the world of its spiritual blindness, mainly displayed in the treatment of Jesus. Uh, You know, the enemy Satan came as the chief of lies and instigated false sense of judgment and condemned Jesus to death. But we know, don't we, that we've won the battle. Jesus has risen. And the right judgment of God is coming. And the Holy Spirit can open people's eyes to that. And Chiswick, West London, don't you think we're in need of the Holy Spirit to convict and open eyes of people for their need of God? And I know we live in a mixed and diverse community, but by the standards of the world, we live in a community that's relatively wealthy. And therefore, our needs, we so often meet within ourselves, within our own self-discipline, within our own kind of capacities, within our own brilliance of mind, that we bury very far deep down our real need of Jesus. And so we need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to come and convict us of that need, to convict us of sin, wrong righteousness, and wrong judgment, but to begin to show us just how much we need God. And you see often the quickest to sing, Father, Father, help me from Uh, send me some guidance from above because people are going to be questioning where is the love the first people to sing that are often those that have got the most experience of injustice of real wrong of disgusting sin at work and some of those that have been most protected from that come last to singing about it and so we need to pray for the work of the Holy Spirit to come right now to work in us and in our communities and in our workplaces. And do you know when the Holy Spirit gets hold of us, it's an exciting adventure. It's an adventure because you can wake up tomorrow morning and be like, God, how can I change the world with you today? What does that look like? And sometimes we kind of think Mother Teresa and Jackie Pullinger and like the big stories out there. And yeah, that, that's amazing. God totally can do that through anybody in this room, whatever. But actually, so often it's in the small, faithful, everyday stuff that is deeply transformative. Holy Spirit, help me not to be so consumed in my own head this morning that I fail to smile at that person on the street. Holy Spirit, in the meeting I've got to go to, I've got no idea how this has anything to do with the kingdom of God right now, but would you show me and would you show me my place in this, that I might be someone that brings truth and light and love and hope into every situation I go. And church, I think God really wants to drench us in the Holy Spirit afresh. And particularly as we journey out of this lockdown, because he wants to come and just really give us his energy that's not ours, but his. And so we're going to just have a bit of time of ministry now. I'm going to hand over to Richard.